What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. This is a sports ethos presentation, and I am your host, Joe Orico. You guys can reach me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Those are the two accounts where we post out our baseball and fantasy baseball content over at Sports Ethos, which does remind me, if you guys are looking to get into the baseball or fantasy games, we are hiring people here. So whether it be a team-centric podcast, fantasy baseball articles, articles that are just about the actual sport itself, uh, throwing fantasy out the door if you just want to write about you know, the state of the game or whatever, we are bringing on a ton of people here at Sports Ethos for the offseason and heading into next year. So do send me a DM at JoeOrico99 if that is something that you guys would be interested in. We've already brought on some people who you guys will be getting familiarized with throughout the offseason and big time heading into next year. So if that is something that you guys are interested in, I'd really like to hear from you. But enough of that. We will be talking about some actual content today. We're going to look back on yesterday's top performers. There's probably five or six that we're going to get into here. And then we'll go through the waiver wire, the most popular ads and drops. And then we'll talk about my favorite pitching matchup of the night, which I realized yesterday, once I had posted the show, I realized I'd actually forgot to give you guys my pitching matchup of the night. So we'll do a couple of them tonight. We'll talk about, there's one in particular, uh, I'm a little bit biased, but there's one in particular I'm going to be keeping an eye on, but we will, we will get into a couple of them. Now, in terms of the waiver wire, we are at a very tricky time of year. It's going to be very personalized, your decisions here. Some of you guys, including me in my home league where I'm in the finals right now, got a stinker out of Shane McClanahan yesterday where he left with an injury too. So odds are you're probably dropping Shane McClanahan. There are some crazy decisions like that that we are going to get into. Maybe you don't have to, but there are some really crazy names that you're going to be seeing in the drop category today. And if you do have another week in your season – you're probably not going to be dropping these guys. I mean, McClanahan is an iffy one we'll talk about. But all of that to say that we are in a very individualized part of the season where you might be dropping literally anybody who started for you yesterday because you know they're probably not. Well, I mean, looking at the schedule, if they're not going to start again for you, this is your championship week, you might be dropping some crazy names there. But we will get into that later on. I do want to start out the way that we usually do here, which is by looking back on our top performers from yesterday. And the number one performing player was Charlie Morton. 29.7 fantasy points over on Yahoo. It wasn't a crazy high-scoring day. You typically see somebody get up into the high 30s or the 40s. Yesterday was lowest-scoring day we've seen in a little while. But Charlie Morton, he still got it done for you. Five and a third, nine strikeouts, one earned run. The only real blemish here is three walks and one hit by a pitch, but striking out nine, still very good stuff. This is really good stuff out of Charlie Morton. Now, for the season, his ERA is actually a bit higher than you would expect just based on you know how he's been this entire season. It's at 4.09, and if you were just to predict that without looking at it, I think a lot of people would think that Charlie Morton actually has quite a bit lower of an ERA than that. It's been recently he's allowed four earned runs in three of his last four starts. It's not been great. Now, the strikeouts have been a huge reason for his value this season. 163 innings, 196 strikeouts. That's obviously great. There was a point, I think it was maybe in May or I think it was late May, early June, where he really turned the corner there. And he was one of the most dominant pitchers in fantasy for like two months. And now he's kind of tailed off a little bit. But you'll certainly take that production yesterday of a victory, nine strikeouts. That's great stuff. Now, assuming this is your last week, We'll, we'll go on that assumption for now. He will have one more start for you, and it'll be against the Phillies on Sunday in Philadelphia. This is going to be the same advice I give every weekend. You have to evaluate where you are at that point. Right now, I can't say whether you should start Charlie Morton or not. It's a tough matchup, 
Uh, Philadelphia, we saw yesterday, they, they got killed by Toronto, but they still put up what, with 10 or 11 runs. It was like a football score yesterday in the Blue Jay game. Th- that team can still put in some serious work at the top of the order there with Schwarber and Harper and Bohm. And like, it's, they can really, really go off. So it's not without its risks. I thought Charlie, or excuse me, I thought Ross Stripling was going to be a really strong stream yesterday. It turned out that he wasn't really. Philadelphia got to him. So it, that is a tricky matchup. It will be really decided by if you need it. If you really need some strikeouts, if you need the chance for a victory, yada, 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 you're probably starting Charlie Morton. If you're really only interested in preserving ratios at, at this time in a couple days, then the odds are that you're probably going to be okay with sitting him. It's very individualized, and it makes it very hard to give advice this time of year. I'm generally throughout the season, you guys remember, well, most of the season it's been, yes, this guy's a sit, this guy's a start. But it gets a little more nuanced this time of year, specifically on the weekend. So Charlie Morton, I think that he's probably going to be a very fairly serviceable starter there on Sunday. If you're talking about him versus your average streamer, I'll take Charlie Morton in a heartbeat. But I, I, I can't stress this enough. I've stressed it the last few weeks. Don't start anybody unless you need to. And specifically on Championship Sunday, last day of the year, you guys will be the ones who will be the best judge of whether or not you need what Charlie Morton is likely to provide there. The next guy we'll get into here is J.P. Sears, and there's been some really good moments from him throughout the season. There's also been some kind of poor ones. His last two times out, he scored in the negatives, uh, specifically a couple times ago against Chicago, six earned runs in two innings. And then last time out, it was four innings, five earned runs. Not good stuff. Yesterday against Seattle, five shutout innings. He allowed one hit. Now three walks is not great still, but seven strikeouts and getting the victory, you will absolutely take that from J.P. Sears. I think he's got some real promise going forward uh, as a prospect. I think he was fairly highly touted. Uh, you guys know from listening to the show. This is more of a redraft show. I don't play a lot of Dynasty. I think that J.P. Sears was fairly highly touted when he came up. And, you know, he has shown that flashes here and there that he probably will be uh, a pretty solid Major League starter. As of right now, as of, you know, the current situation, you might see that start and think, I'm going to try and squeeze in a start later in the week from him or maybe for next week. His next start is lined up to be this weekend against the Mets. It's not going to be a, a recommended one for me. I know this time of year is a total crapshoot, and you kind of just have to close your eyes and throw a dart and hope that it's hope that it lands. With J.P. Sears, that one is a little bit too risky, though. The Mets are just too good for me to really trust a, a rookie pitcher here pitching for Oakland. So odds of a win coming out of that start are slim to none. I mean, the odds of him getting blown up are pretty good. I know that Oakland is a fairly big stadium, hard to hit home runs, but that doesn't really matter so much for this particular context. We're looking at one start, and really anything can happen. So we will do a couple of shows probably tomorrow and Friday. We'll both be focused more in on these streamers for the next couple of days, and J.P. Sears will not be among them. It's just too risky for me. I'm not going to touch that one with a 10-foot pole, but let's move on. Let's talk about Francisco Lindor, one of those Mets who we would be scared to start him against. So Francisco Lindor, two for three yesterday. He hit a home run. He scored twice. He knocked in four, and he also walked. This has been a fantastic season for Francisco Lindor, really. There's no other way to describe it. Last year was a huge disappointment. He was a first-round pick. I think he was ADP. Last season was 10 or 11, 10 to 12 in that range, like end of the first round. This season, he fell into like the 40s and 50s, and I was all in on Francisco Lindor. He's, I mean, between him, I've mentioned this a couple times. Him and Zach Gallen are really the guys who I have on pretty much all of my successful teams. They didn't cost so much, and they've been fantastic. So for the season, Lindor has a 271 batting average, 25 homers. He has scored 92 times. 
He has driven in 99 runs and he's stolen 16 bases. He is better in every single category than he was last season. His batting average is up 41 points. Great stuff from Francisco Lindor. Now, this kind of begs the question of where will he go next season? From a first rounder to a fifth rounder, back up, I would say probably to a second, third rounder. Somewhere, I would say probably pick 25 to 30 is where we're likely to see Lindor. He, he might go even higher in some cases. Maybe he'll go a little bit lower in other cases. But, I mean, that kind of production, the 25, 20 kind of, I mean, I, I know he only has 16 bases, but he can give you 20 steals. He can give you 20-plus homers. That lineup is obviously a huge factor in his value. We've seen it with Trey Turner this year. Going from the Dodgers to the National, or from the Nationals to the Dodgers, there's a huge boost in RBIs and runs. And that's not necessarily what's happened here with Lindor. It's more a comfort thing. But we did see him, you know, and there was parts of his Cleveland tenure where they had really good lineups. Closer to the end, not so much. Now he's in a really, really fantastic lineup. And I'd say probably, I am going to start in the next few weeks, start to pull together some really, really early, maybe like a, a way too early top 100 kind of thing. And I think Francisco Lindor, I mean, for next season, uh, projecting kind of top 100, which I'm probably a complete fool to be even putting time into that at this point of the season. But I'm interested. So that's part of the reason why I want to do it. I think Lindor is probably going to be in that 25 to 30 range. If he were to go inside the top 20 in a few drafts, you know, I I wouldn't be so surprised by it. His skill set is still four-ish, four-plus categories. I don't know if you want to count necessarily the two, the batting average as a category there 270 you, you could make the argument that he's a five category player playing for an amazing team and I don't think he's I don't know I don't think he's going to be falling out below the top 30 or so I just want to pull up his ranking for this season right now I think he's just the end of the first round he is the 11th ranked player according to Yahoo's player rankings right now so maybe he does push up a little higher I feel like he'll probably slip a little bit. People will still be, for whatever reason, probably a little bit cautious. That's just the feeling I generally get. And yeah, I, we'll, we'll move on from Lindor. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but he's definitely moved up his draft stock from last season by 20 or, or 30 draft picks, I'd say. Let's move on to our old friend, Stephen Kwan, who truly has had a really excellent season. I know his roster percentage fantasy value has kind of bounced up and down a little bit. But if you just picked him up in the first week of the season and held him in your lineup all year, he wouldn't have hurt you. He really wouldn't have. Last night, he was four for six. He had four singles, two runs, and two RBIs. Now, he also stole a base. When you look at what Stephen Kwan, and the reason I use the whole season argument is because there's too much fluctuation to really say, yes, it was worth it at this point. Like I kind of just think at this point, we really have to look at were they worth it for the entire season. If you're talking about a guy like... Dylan Bundy, yeah, he had three good starts in April. Was it worth Like, no, you, you kind of just have to look at the entire picture. So with Stephen Kwan, according to Yahoo, he's the 113th ranked player for the season. For Stephen Kwan, that's ninth round value. That is, that is ridiculous. He has a 295 batting average, 16 steals, 78 runs, 42 RBIs. Now, the thing that kind of sucks is that he only has four home runs. That is something that I do think that he can probably work on you can teach power a little bit, and it's not something... I mean, he's already got the average. If, you, if you're if you a guy who... Let's say Stephen Kwan was batting two... I don't know, 250 or something with four home runs. You wouldn't really feel that optimistic. But the fact that he does hit 300, he can hit higher than 300. He walks more than he strikes out. There's a lot to really like just from a baseball perspective. If you just forget about the fantasy part of it. When you look at what he did in the minor leagues... 
typically like a five to seven kind of home run guy uh, these last couple of seasons. Nothing crazy, but can he get to like eight-ish home runs? Can those 16 steals be extended up to close to 20? I think it's pretty damn possible for, for Stephen Kwan. He has 3.7 wins above replacement this season. I mean, I know that's more of just a baseball thing. It doesn't really matter for fantasy, but he's been a really, really good player. He's going to get a lot of Rookie of the Year votes. I think that probably for next year, Stephen Kwan will be a guy who's not drafted too high. I think we're likely to look at what he did this season and think, yeah, he's more of a steals guy, batting average. You know, Maybe look at him, and Paul Spore compares them all the time. Luis Arise and Stephen Kwan, they're, they're pretty much the same guy. Luis Arise is just you know, having a 195th percentile season Whereas for Quan, it's probably like 70, 70th percentile or so in terms of their respective skill sets, right? Quan, um, or excuse me, Arise, this is probably about as good of a year as we're going to see from him. Uh, three, what is he batting? 315, 314 batting average, eight homers, 81 runs, 48 RBIs. This is probably offensively close to peak production from Arise, where I think that we can still see something. Probably a little bit better from Quan, at least in terms of the power anyway. And those steals, can that go up a little bit? It's probably about where it's going to end up at 16 steals. But maybe he can get to 20. Maybe he can get to 25. You know, he's only 24 years old, Stephen Quan. There's still room for him to develop here. And if you just look at this season, right, uh, I think that they're, they're very good players to compare. If you're just talking about where would I draft these guys for next season, I think that Pretty much universally, everybody would say Luis Arise should be drafted higher than Stephen Kwan. They would say, you know, he's outperformed him in pretty much every category except for steals. Uh, I'd rather have him, his lineup I have more faith in, and so on and so forth. But if you look at where they're ranked, specifically in terms of where Yahoo ranks them, they have Luis Arise as the 98th ranked player. They have Stephen Kwan as the 113th ranked player. Now, a big difference in their value is that Arise is eligible at first, second, and third, as well as the outfield, where Quan is just outfield eligible. But in terms of the price difference you're going to probably be paying next season, I think Arise will be maybe not inside the top 100, but pretty close to it. Maybe he does even sneak inside the top 100, whereas Stephen Quan, I think he'll probably fall somewhere in the 150-ish range. Top of my head, these numbers will probably fluctuate. They'll almost certainly move around a little bit. But I think generally Arise will be around 100. Quan will be probably 50 or so picks later. And when you look at their skill set, when you look at what they've done this season, it's pretty damn similar. They're within, first of all, they're within two at-bats of each other. Arise has 510. Quan has 508. 81 runs for Arise, 78 runs for Quan. No difference there worth, worth, worth writing home about. 48 RBIs for Arise, 42 for Quan. Eight home runs for Arise versus four for Quan. There you got a little bit of a difference. But it's kind of made up for with the 16 Quan steals versus only four for Arise. And then in batting average, you give that one to Arise. So 314 to 295, you, you'll take that. You'll take either of them. But you'll obviously go for the, for the slightly higher batting average there, which as a whole, it's a slight lean toward Arise. But I think that he's going to be probably overdrafted a little bit in comparison to where Stephen Quan will be drafted. I think it probably should be a lot closer than it will be. So if you miss out on Arise next season and you think, shit, that was my batting average guy, Remember Stephen Kwan, he'll still be on the board when a rise goes off, and he'll give you pretty damn similar production. So just something to store away if you guys are already making notes for next year or what have you. That is something that I would try and uh, try and remember. We're not going to spend too much time here on this next player, but he is certainly worth mentioning. Aaron Judge hit his 60th home run of the season yesterday. That's a huge congratulations for him. 
he is also currently in line to win the Triple Crown in the American League. Now, the previously mentioned Luis Arise still has a pretty good chance. He's at 314. Xander Bogarts is at 315. And then Judge is at 316. The other categories are not particularly close. Judge is fairly close to lapping the field here in home runs. He has 60. The next highest is Jordan Alvarez with 37. There's a 23 home run difference between first and second. I'd like to know in like baseball history the biggest differences between the first place home run guy in the second place. This is definitely going to be one of those historic seasons anyway. But in terms of RBI, that's also locked up. He's up by 13 over second place, uh, Jose Ramirez. And then another 15 over third place, Kyle Tucker. It's it's a crazy landslide offensive juggernaut of a season for Aaron Judge. He's batting 427 over the last month, 38 for 89, 14 home runs, 26 RBIs, and even three steals. That's a huge part of the value too. Now, I think even if he had zero steals, he'd still be the number one ranked fantasy player across all formats, which he is. But he's got 16 stolen bases. That is unbelievable production from Aaron Judge. Like, we don't see steals really at all anymore. No one is stealing bases. Aaron Judge is currently tied for 16th in the American League in steals, which you might say, okay, tied for 16th. That's really, really good. That is amazing, honestly, for Aaron Judge. For anybody at, in this day and age to steal 16 bases for your fantasy team, that's, that's a win. Unless you drafted Whit Merrifield in the second round hoping that he'd give you 40, you're pretty happy with 16, which is the same number that Merrifield has. But Aaron Judge, who you were hoping for maybe five, maybe you were hoping 10 in a great world, nothing like this. I mean, it's just added value wherever he can squeeze a little bit more out. I am, I am not a Yankee person at all. I do not like the Yankees. Growing up in Toronto, they've been a huge rival. All New York sports teams have been rivals to varying degrees. I'm not like a big New York Islanders hater or anything like that. But the Yankees, I've never been a big fan of. Cards on the table. Aaron Judge is still the MVP this season. And this is something that's talked about more than than literally anything right now in terms of the baseball world. But it's just, you, you have to give it to Judge. It, you, you have to give it to Judge at this point. He is ridiculous. The Triple Crown mixed with the American League home run record. I know everybody's saying, oh, you're only doing that to avoid mentioning uh, Sosa and Bonds and McGuire. Well, they're all a bunch of hacks, okay? Those guys are all a bunch of hacks. Did they have talent? Yes, they had talent. And they d- disgraced it, essentially, by their actions there in the late 90s and early 2000s. So is it still in the record books as the all-time record? Yes, should it be scrubbed from the record books at some point? Possibly. It depends how you feel about that kind of thing. If you want to go back and change the history books, I don't know. Like Personally, I, I wouldn't have any problem if they were to do that. I'm fine that none of them are in the Hall of Fame because they disgraced the game. To be perfectly honest with you, that's generally how I feel. These guys going into the Hall of Fame and having records is kind of just showing kids like you can do whatever you want, you can cheat your way through it, and then by the end of the day, you'll still be revered. And it's just a bad message, okay, more so than anything else for me. But I don't think that you can look at those totals and say that this is totally legitimate. These guys did that. Like, Barry Bonds' head grew, like, three, three, uh, like I don't know, three, four sizes in the time of his career. Look at pictures of him on the Pirates and then look at pictures of him in, like, 2001, 2002. The dude completely changed his physique. So, yes, it was impressive. He was a great player who was going to be a Hall of Fame player before the steroids. I don't think that that changes the fact that he did cheat and he did enhance his career and his numbers by doing that. So long story short, I am totally fine once Aaron Judge hits two more home runs to say, even in my own head, 
Like, the dude is legitimately, this is the best, the best power season we have ever seen. I don't care that Sammy Sosa hits 60-whatever or Mark McGuire hits 70. Mark McGuire and Sosa are even a rung below Bonds because they would not have been Hall of Famers before the steroids. Bonds would have been, which is where I'm kind of more into, like, okay, throw Bonds in the Hall of Fame. I, I There's part of me that thinks that. I still think a large majority of my brain is on the side of, no. You do not need to reward that kind of bullshit. And when we're looking at records, sure, they have the official records or whatever, but I think we can look at this Aaron Judge season and say, this is the most impressive offensive season that we have ever seen, uh, maybe not ever, but in you know the post-integration era. I think that you can make a really strong case. This is better than any season that Bonds ever had, any season that Sosa ever had, any season McGuire ever had. And I know I'm probably getting myself into trouble here, and I'm probably going to get some messages on Twitter about it. But I just don't understand the need to constantly defend cheaters. You know, like people don't go out there and, you know, die on the hill of Lance Armstrong. I don't know why they do it for Barry Bonds. I know it's not a direct comparison, but it's pretty damn close, right? Why, why do we feel the need to constantly prop up these guys and make sure that their records remain intact? Like, I don't know. I... I I really am not a huge fan of any of those guys. I am more than happy once this does get done with Judge. I'm assuming it'll be, it might even be today, honestly. Who knows the way he hits home runs. Once he passes Roger Maris, I have no problem if people want to call him the home run champ. And like I said, I'm going to get in trouble for this. People are going to be upset because people are very passionate about this for whatever reason. And I would just ask you, like, why do you feel the passionate need to defend somebody who tried to circumvent the rules of the game and gain an unfair advantage. That's that's where I'm coming from with this one. We'll leave it there because I know you guys are some of you have probably already shut this off and that's fine. That's generally my opinion. I do not like the steroid era guys. I don't think that their achievements should be seen in the same light as guys who were completely clean. And with Aaron Judge, people will say, "Oh, Judge is cheating, blah blah." Do you think that that guy is doing this right now and not getting a steroid test in his locker after like every freaking game? Like, you know, he's probably getting mul- I remember when Jose Batista when he really broke out with the Blue Jays. The dude was getting steroid tested like two, three times a week. If Aaron Judge is getting anything less than that, it'd be crazy. It's probably literally like the same thing. Three times a week, he's probably getting a steroid test. And he's, his physique is the same as it's always been. Like, it's not like this is some crazy, you know, oh, he came in 40 pounds heavier this season. He looks massive. Like, no, he's just, he's just brilliant. He is just truly brilliant. And that is someone coming from someone who does not like New York. I do not like New York sports teams. The city is beautiful. The teams in that city, I am not a big fan of. So me saying that, Otani's great. Yes, this is more of a judge thing. I think that this is the most impressive season, um, really, truly, in the post-integration baseball days. If you want to go back and compare it to, like, Babe Ruth seasons and Ty Cobb seasons and whatnot, uh, well, that's a conversation for another day. But this is really, truly historic stuff. It should be um, maybe not a unanimous MVP, but it should be, like, two-thirds of the votes at least. Like, he's really pulled away from from the rest of the field at this point. I do want to move on. We spent a lot of time on that, and I'm sure I made some of you angry. So we will talk about some ads and some drops now. We'll move on to our waiver wire segment of the show. The number one ad, Bailey Ober. He's been added by more than 10,000 teams today. That is crazy. The next highest ad was Bryce Elder, whose game has already started, and the dude's doing all right, actually. Two and a third. He's got three strikeouts. I would not have probably recommended him anyway, even though it's against Washington, but we'll talk about Bailey Ober. So he's only 28% rostered. He hasn't pitched a hell of a lot this season, only 32, or excuse me, 38 and two-thirds innings, but it's been pretty solid stuff, a 3-5 ERA, a 1.16 whip, and it's Kansas City. 
The main thing here is the opponent, and that's really another key thing about this time of year. It's not always about track record necessarily, which is why Bryce Elder might have been an okay option thinking about it. Like, he's doing well. But, you know, if I'd recorded this yesterday talking about Bryce Elder for today, it would have been a little bit iffy. The only reason I would have even considered it would have been the matchup. And that's really the main thing here when you look at all these top ads. So all the top ads today are pitchers. These are their opponents. Kansas City, Washington, Baltimore, Miami, Pittsburgh, the Cubs, Milwaukee, Arizona, Detroit. That's pretty much what we're dealing with this time of year. Even if there's someone who's not quite as great, you know, like a Bryce Elder, like a Matt Manning, those guys are being added up because of their weak opponents. So pretty much all of these guys at the top of the list here. Uh, Matt Manning against Baltimore, Marcus Stroman against Miami, uh, Luis Severino against Pittsburgh is an interesting one. He's probably already rostered at 75%, but maybe he was dropped in your league. It is possible. Take a look there against Pittsburgh. He might be on a pitch count limit or a pitch limit. I think it's probably pretty likely, but we don't really know. And it's a good enough matchup where even if he goes four innings, strikes out six, doesn't, you know, something like that, you, you'll, you'll take that. Absolutely. So Severino is someone to really consider. Jesus Lazardo at only 60%. I would definitely, definitely consider Jesus Lozardo here. He gets the Cubbies at 640. He's going to be facing off against Stroman. I think both of them are pretty solid options, really. Lozardo, it's been, it's been an unfortunate season, specifically after how it began. We were thinking this is going to be great stuff from him. It hasn't really, but as a whole, we're still looking at a 375 ERA and a 109 whip. Three wins in 81 innings is shit, but it's not really anything you can control directly. So, Lizardo, really strong option tonight. Taiwan Walker, he's probably not available, but he's only 69% rostered in Yahoo leagues. There's probably some of you who will comb through the waiver wire in your 10s or your 12s, and you'll see a Taiwan Walker there. And he's probably going to be, if that is the case, the best option for you tonight. There are a lot of guys who I would really like to stream tonight. Even Jordan Lyles against Detroit, pretty decent option. He's coming off a couple of rough games here, uh, Toronto and Boston, but you can't hold that against him so much, specifically Toronto. Before that, it was good ones at Cleveland and against the White Sox. He's been a bit up and down this season, Jordan Lyles for sure, a 470 ERA. He's got his 10 victories. He's got 129 Ks and 161 innings. He's not great, but like I said, matchups. He gets Detroit. If you're in a situation where these guys I've already mentioned before are taken and you're just looking at only Jordan Lyles, I would feel pretty confident in streaming him still. I know that we've had some kind of bad luck this week with streaming. Lodolo was not great. Stripling was not great. Wade Miley was brutal. But you still have to kind of go for those same, you know, trust the process, not the outcome. You have to go for those guys who generally you're looking for a guy who can give you some strikeouts. That's the usually the number one thing I look for in a streamer. Are they a strikeout pitcher or not? Because that can dictate value. Even if it's a tough game where they give up four or five runs, if they strike out eight, you know, it makes it a little bit better. If they're a guy who usually shits the bed and doesn't strike anybody out, Dakota Hudson, Marco Gonzalez kind of thing, no, there's, there's no need for those kind of players. But most of these guys that we're looking at today – and give you at least decent strikeout numbers. They're all in really good matchups against fairly poor sub-500 teams, and they should be able to give you a victory. Actually, I guess Milwaukee's not sub-500. I don't think anymore, actually. Actually, they're 78 and 70. They're pushing it, man. Like, Jesus, what a fall for the Brewers this season. But that's like the best team amongst the opponents I listed here. Not something I'd be too, too scared about. Those are the main ads we're seeing today. There are a couple position players as well. Tony Kemp is somebody who's kind of caught the interest of the community these last couple weeks. He's got three homers in his last 36 at-bats. Now, I think it is worth noting that he only has seven home runs in 454 total at-bats this whole season. He's batting 238 despite a hot little month here, batting 303. 
you can add Tony Kemp if you're really desperate and he's on a little bit of a streak, which I've said this time of year, you just kind of need guys to run a hot streak. But it's it's Tony Kemp here. We're really not looking at a great ball player. He's leading off, sure. He can steal the odd base. He has 10 for the season, which is which is good enough. The seven home runs is not something I would say, like, yeah, he's he's going to hit you two, three more the last couple of weeks. Like, there's no way of being able to predict that with Tony Kemp. If he doesn't hit a ball over 100 miles an hour the rest of the season, I wouldn't be surprised. If he hits another two home runs, I'd be like extremely surprised here with Tony Kemp. I think you're probably maybe going to get one more dinger, maybe one more dinger, just because he's kind of found a good stroke here recently. It's possible. It's kind of a shot in the dark, though, to be honest with you guys. I mean, it's nice to have that eligibility second and in the outfield, but he's just a little bit too risky for me here. If you're looking for somebody who, you know, similar um, eligibility second in the outfield and even a little bit extra, I would take a look at Luis Renjifo, and he's going to be more rostered. Right now, Kemp is only 13%. Renjifo is just over 50% now. He's gone up quite a bit this last week. But he's someone who has some more power. I think it's a little bit more legit with him. He gives you a bit more of a whole game here. He batting for a pretty solid average, 275 for the entire season. He's someone I have a little bit more faith in. Plus, you get the added third base and shortstop eligibility. If you're looking for a bat and you're hoping for a little bit of power, I'd probably go with Renjifo, especially if you're just looking for... You know, the power, but also a well-rounded kind of whole player, not just for one category. There are going to be people who are just looking for one category. For the most part, you're looking for that overall production. I would go with Renjifo over Kemp there. A couple other guys who are being added up, and I, I don't know why he's not more added up, is Elvis Andrews, who decided that he wants to be Trey Turner for the last couple weeks of the season. I mean, this last month for him, if I read you the stat line and you had to say, like, what player this is, you'd probably be like, uh, it's probably Trey Turner, Jose Ramirez, like something like that. So over his last 115 at-bats, over the last month, 20 runs, 6 homers, 22 RBIs, 7 steals, and a 330 batting average for Elvis Andrews. He's the number one priority ad if you can still get him right now. 59%. It's not likely that you still can. But if he is out there, man, like he is an absolute must-add player. He's rostered in every single league that I am in already. It sucks. I didn't get myself any shares. I wanted shares. I actually had him on one team earlier in the season, uh, when he was still on the athletics, it did not go so well. He did not last long on that team. It's just the way it goes. But he's actually worked himself closing in on the top 150 for value for this entire season. He's 167 at the moment, 14 homers, 15 stolen bases, a 258 batting average. It's actually been pretty good stuff from him. I mean, you're factoring in the entire season as a whole. It's been okay. Like, if you picked him up in a draft and hold, you're you're totally fine with that if it was... Your standard waiver wire league, you probably dropped him and had to try and re-add him. It varies based on format, which is the same with everything this time of year. But right now, Elvis Andrews, if you can still get him, number one priority add on the waiver wire for sure. Let's go and talk about some drops and pretty standard stuff here. It's just the starting pitchers from yesterday who did not do particularly well. For the most part, we will get into them. The first one here is Nick Lodolo. He allowed three runs and five innings against the Red Sox. He did strike out seven batters, which was very good. And he does have another start this week. It'll be Sunday against the Brewers. And same Sunday advice that I will always give you, start him if you need him. Start him if you need him. If you're worried about your ratios, probably don't start him. If you just need to hope for a win and some strikeouts, then you start him. If it's some kind of situation mixed in there, you need to preserve whip and get a win, or you need to keep your ERA low, but you need some strike. You know, there's a lot of different factors, a lot of different combinations. The best advice I can say, echoing what my friend Marty Tallman said on the show the other day, you have to be the one to make these decisions for yourself. As much as I say, I think Lodolo should be started, 
this is going to be likely the last day of your season, and you need to be able to live with whatever decision it is that you make, whether it be to start or to sit. You have to be the one that can go to sleep that night and say, I made the right call here. I'm comfortable with my decision. You don't want to be saying, Joe told me to start him, so I started him, and I lost the season, and now I hate Joe, and I hate fantasy baseball, and I'm going to be mad for six months. Like, I don't want that. You don't want that. Either way, you're not going to be happy, but I think you'll be a little bit more comfortable with your decision if it's a decision that you decided on ultimately, as opposed to you know tweeting at somebody who does this and you know just relying on their opinion. Because yes, people like myself, like Marty, like other people who've been on the show, we spend probably way too much time covering this stuff, and we probably know a little bit more than the average person, but that doesn't mean that we are the foremost authority. If you are somebody who pays attention to baseball, if you know how to go through fan graphs and baseball savant and pitcher list and baseball reference, then you can figure this stuff out. There's no crazy special tools that I have that you guys don't have. You need to kind of, for this last week specifically, make those calls for yourself. During the regular season in May, if you're going to pick up a guy based on a recommendation for me or whoever, totally cool. Right now, I'd still generally be listening. Hopefully, you're still listening to the program, but I wouldn't be so beholden to this guy said I have to pick up this player. I need to pick up this player. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Hope to get it right 50-plus percent of the time, but it's not always the case. This week, our streamers have been brutal. It happens. Um, so sometimes you're just not predicting the right thing. Sometimes you're predicting the right things for the wrong people are listening, and then there's a lot of different variables right now, and that all ties back to just you guys need to be the ones to live with these decisions, not me. I can tell you to start this guy, and you start this guy, and he doesn't do well. It's at the end of the day, it's no skin off my nose. You are the ones who are going to have to go through the whole offseason pissed off about it. So start the guys that you want to start. Set the guys that you want to sit, but just know where you stand in your categories. That's something I've tried to be very repetitive about that recently because I really think it's so important. The weekend stuff, I repeat in every show pretty much. The don't start guys on the weekend that you don't have to, but that's another piece as well. Start the guys that you want to start. Don't sit someone just because, you know, I think it's a good idea. If you don't think it's a good idea, then trust yourself over me. That is what I will say a hundred times out of a hundred here. Carlos Carrasco, we will move on. He's the next guy. Carlos Carrasco has been dropped by how many leagues here? We're closing in on 3,000 today. He gave up three runs over four innings. He struck out four. Not great. I mean, really not ideal for your championship week. His next start is scheduled to be Tuesday at home against the Marlins. And this is a very situational-based decision. If you do go into next week, that's a great option. You should be starting him against the Marlins. If your season ends on Sunday, then Carlos Carrasco is a clear drop. He's not going to be starting for you again. Absolutely get him out of there. It all depends on when your season ends. Drew Smiley, he was scratched from his start on Wednesday due to left shoulder fatigue. Now, I don't think they've said he's going to start another game here. The hope is that he can still log at least one more outing before their season comes to a close. That's not great. You can't really hope that Drew Smiley does just happen to get a start here. He's been very good, but he's still Drew Smiley. He's not somebody that you're going to be holding regardless of situation. You're holding him or you added him specifically because you thought he was going to have a good matchup here against the Marlins. But that's not going to be happening. He's day-to-day. Now, maybe, maybe if they announce today or tomorrow that he's getting a start against Pittsburgh later on this week, you'd be kind of interested. You'd want to hold on. I understand that one. But if you're in a situation where you just need the roster spot, then it's totally okay to drop him too. But I, I would be a little bit, I'd be kind of pissed at myself if I did drop him and then it's announced he's starting against the Pirates a couple of days later. So it's a shoulder injury. You really, we have no idea. We really have no idea what's going to happen here. 
Uh, either way, I am I'm okay with it. If you want to hold them for another day or two just to see, sure. If you want to drop them right now, like more than 2,000 people have done over on Yahoo, then you're absolutely within your right to do so, and I'd be pretty okay with that as well. Let's talk about Sonny Gray. He's a must drop at this point. You know, I just got through saying you guys have to do what you want to do, but Sonny Gray is on the 15-day IL now. He will not be getting another start this season. Uh, it's It sucks. It really sucks for Sonny Gray. As a whole, he was pretty damn serviceable, a 308 ERA, 117 strikeouts in 119 innings, eight victories. He was good, but at this point, we need to, like I say, play the bagpipes, get the sad music out for Sonny Gray, and send him back to the waiver wire. The next guy being dropped, Ross Stripling. My guy, he had a really tough outing yesterday. It looked like the Blue Jays, you know, they were up like 6 nothing, And then he kind of gave that away a little bit. He gave up, how many runs did he end up giving up here? Five runs. Five runs on nine hits over four plus innings for Ross Stripling. Not ideal for sure. Now, he's been really good this whole season. So I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt here that this was a bad outing against a good team in a tough ballpark. I'm willing to do that. His next start here comes against Tampa. And again, if you need it, then you need it. If you don't, you don't. These guys, it's going to be pretty standard advice for me on these streamers this time of year, especially guys that are lapped into that same kind of bunch. And I think all these guys getting dropped today are kind of in a similar group. Uh, Lodolo, Carrasco, Sonny Gray, Stripling. I value them all kind of similarly given, you know, if you just throw away time of year context and injury stuff, they're all pretty close. I mean, Gray and Carrasco a little bit higher and then maybe Stripling and Lodolo a little bit lower. But they're all kind of in the same group of keep them if you need them. If not, then you, you can kind of drop them. And Ross Stripling, if you need another start this week, he gets one on Sunday at Tampa. It's it's not a bad option. It's really not a bad option. If you're going to be going through the weekend waiver wire and seeing who should I be adding, there's a good chance that, that, would probably, that Ross Stripling there would probably be your best option. So keep that in mind if you're rushing to drop him because you're kind of pissed off at him. Understandable, but I would probably hold on uh, a few more days at least to just see generally what categories you need over these next couple days there will be guys that you can drop guys that are starting today if it's your last day of the week or last day or last week of the season excuse me guys starting today and tomorrow and friday those guys can be dropped right after their starts so ross stripling a guy with the potential for another start i would be not the potential he's scheduled to have another start this week i'd be holding him but if your week ends this week, and let's say you have Martin Perez going tomorrow, or George Kirby, or Joe Musgrove, or you know Brandon Woodruff, if your week ends this week, those guys are getting one more start, and then they're going to be dropped. So if you're really desperate for a spot, maybe hold off until after even today, because guys starting today, they will not get two starts. Uh, Luis Severino, at this point, he's going to be starting today, and then it'll be next Monday or Tuesday or whatever. Um, Tristan McKenzie, Lance Lynn, same thing. Logan Webb, Herman Marquez, if you have him, Michaelis, Blake Snell, Robbie Ray, Dustin May. These guys are going to start one more time, assuming your championship week is this week, and then they're totally safe to be dropped. So something to keep in mind if you're thinking, and I know it might be kind of weird uh, mentally to say like, yeah, I'm dropping whoever, you know, Dustin May, or I'm going to be dropping Tristan McKenzie. It feels kind of weird, but if they're not starting again for you, you might actually have somebody in your league stupidly add them, seeing them get dropped without really looking at the context or whatever, because you know your own players better than, than the guys in your league will know players. Assuming you're playing in just one league, you drop McKenzie, someone gets a notification, holy shit, he dropped Tristan McKenzie. You run and you go and grab him, and then you realize he's not starting again this season. There are some people that just don't pay close enough attention, and that kind of thing would catch them by surprise. So maybe you not only shed that dead weight from your roster, but you also essentially trick one of your teammates into burning an ad, or teammates, league mates, into burning an ad there 
it could be a really smart play, and I definitely recommend it over drop and stripling. I'd hold on and just have that start in the back pocket just in case you do need a few more strikeouts, a win, a Hail Mary play for your ratios, something like that. I think there's going to be better options uh, to drop than Ross Stripling. Let's talk about a couple of pitching matchups to keep an eye on tonight. I try and do this every single day, but as I mentioned off the top, I did forget to do it yesterday. It slipped my mind. My apologies. I had picked out a matchup, and then by the time I you know, had posted the show, I realized, shit, I'd, I'd forgotten to mention it. So we'll go through two today. One of them is happening a little bit earlier than the other one, I believe. Yeah, about an hour and a half before. So this first one is a really fantastic matchup. Kevin Gosman and Zach Wheeler. Now, I was tweeting about Kevin Gosman yesterday about how he's really truly having a fantastic season that's flying under the radar a little bit. He is the third best pitching war, the second best fielding independent pitching, and the worst BABIP among all qualified starters. It should be talked about more, which is exactly what I said in the tweet. It's something that kind of goes under the radar with Kevin Gosman. His 345 ERA is extremely deceptive. He's a lot better than that. He's only walked 25 batters in 160 innings. And I think he takes the title this season as the unluckiest pitcher in baseball. I still have faith in him going forward into next season for the last couple of starts of this year that he can give you great production. He's just been really, really, really unlucky. These last two starts, five earned runs in each of them, it's bullshit. It's not something I'd expect to continue with him for a third start in a row here. I'd be very, very confident in Kevin Gosman getting back on sh- back in form tonight. It's just he's completely due. The matchup is tough. The ballpark is tough. But we're talking about really a top 10 pitcher in baseball and arguably even higher. So I'm, I'm totally cool with Kevin Gosman here. He's not going to have a third straight awful start. That's just not going to happen. On the other side, Zach Wheeler, he will be starting. Now, his last start came August the 20th. He's probably not going to have the longest leash tonight. They're probably going to say, I would imagine, four Five innings would be about as much as he's going to do. Uh, he had a forearm pro. I think it was a strain. Was it a strain? Uh, forearm issue. I'm not sure. I think it was a strain. Probably not going to push him so much. He's going to be starting one of those games, assuming I'm, I think that they're still in a pretty solid spot for the playoffs here. Um, two and a half games up on those Brewers. Those Brewers, if they sneak in, that'd be unbelievable. I think the Phillies should be fine. You'd assume it would be Nola and Wheeler. So they want him fresh for the playoffs. They're probably not going to push him too much, keep him fairly fresh, but I still think that that matchup right there, just based on pedigree alone, should be a lot of fun. The other one that I am going to be keeping an eye on here is a couple of guys. Now, in one league, I have both of these guys. In my home league finals, I am facing both of them. So kind of mixed feelings on what I want here tonight. But we have Tristan McKenzie and Lance Lynn, both guys who have been really, honestly, very good. Tristan McKenzie, in particular, this whole season has been pretty consistent, a 308 ERA, 167 Ks and 172 innings. I personally thought he would strike out more batters than that this season, but it's hard to complain with a 308 ERA. He's been really fantastic. On the other side, Lance Lynn started off the season so poorly. His first start came, I think it was in June-ish, and it was like, these are the earned run totals for his first few starts here. We had three, we had three, we had five, we had zero. And then five, eight, and six. A lot of people dropped him. And since then, he's been really good. There was two outings where he'd given up four earned runs in that time frame. But he's almost every single time striking out six, going at least six innings. He's really settled down. And there's a chance that he was dropped in your league, in your home league or whatever. And you're able to pick him up for free. Which, I don't think it was too many leagues. But there was definitely some of you that got a free Lance Lynn share because of his struggles once he came back. Which is 
pretty expected after missing almost the entire season or the first half of the season. You're going to be slower in getting back into things. It's it's going to happen. So I'm looking at Lance Lynn and Tristan McKenzie. That's going to be a really strong outing. I'm going to be more focused in on my Blue Jays tonight. It's getting into the time of year where, first of all, first of all I try not to watch my own starters, my own pitchers. Um, specifically, right now, I'm really focused in on that home league, playing against one of my best friends. We've decided to split the pot. Um, it's this particular one is only a $200 pot, nothing crazy. It's going to be 150 to 50, but it's, you know, it's the one we really focus on. And it's not because it's like high stakes. It's just because I'm playing in it with my best friends. You want to have those bragging rights for next season and through the off season. So that's obviously something that's really on my mind, but also the Blue Jays trying to just secure this playoff spot, which is looking pretty safe, but I'm, I'm really, really hoping for some miracles this last week or so and that they hop over the Yankees for the division. It's it's almost certainly not going to happen, but it's definitely uh, it's definitely something I'm hoping for here, and especially after watching that game last night, 28-29 runs. What was the final? I forget what the final was. It was ridiculous. It was 18-11. to It was higher scoring than some NFL games this weekend. You'd expect to be a little bit more of a pitcher's tool, so I think that that one will be really the one to watch tonight. Gosman and Wheeler, even if Wheeler only goes five innings, I'm thinking we're going to see probably a low-scoring game. What's the over-under set at? Eight runs. Considering these lineups, the over-under set at eight, that's pretty solid. Expect it to probably go under here. Teams and bats are going to be kind of tired. Maybe some guys get days off. I think this one will be uh, a really fun watch. That will be where I leave you for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for continuing to check out the show as we enter into these last couple weeks of the season. If you are still listening, you are a baseball diehard, and we appreciate you over here at Sports Ethos. Please do consider going and get a fantasy pass or a draft guide, any of our premium stuff we have over on the website for basketball, for football. This is the time of year where we make some money, we keep the lights on for the rest of the season. Basketball is our main uh, bread and butter sport here. We're expanding out into baseball and football, and there's some football in the fantasy pass as well, but you're specifically, this is for you NBA fantasy, NBA fans Go and get yourself some kind of draft guide, some kind of battle or battle fantasy pass. Uh, I was going to say battle pass, like Fortnite stuck in my head from years ago still. For whatever reason, I haven't played Fortnite in a long time, but it just popped into my head uh, really weird. Go get yourself some kind of premium content over there on the website. The Brewski 150 will be out soon. There will be a ton of basketball and football content throughout the season. And then next year, we're hoping to have some baseball content in it as well. So very exciting time over here at Sports Ethos. You guys can reach out to me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and at EthosFantasyBB. That's where our content gets posted out from, reshared from. If you're following those two accounts and, of course, the main sports ethos account, you guys will never miss any of our content, articles, podcasts, and the works. So once again, I'll say really quickly, if you are interested in learning how to become a fantasy writer, a sports writer in general, a podcaster, shoot me a DM at Joe Orico 99 and we'll have a conversation about maybe some next steps here. If it's something that you're really, truly interested in, uh, we'd love to have you. So I'll leave you guys there. Best of luck, of course. Best of luck with your streams. Hope you guys get some home runs, some stolen bases tonight. I hope you guys have Ahmed Rosario and Dalton Varsho on your teams because those guys are absolutely kicking ass right now. But whoever it is that you're entrusting, I hope you guys come away with some championships. Guys, that'll do it. Cheers, and we'll see you tomorrow.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.